0: to talk for a minute about changing the world, uh, a small topic, uh, changing the world. So I want you to imagine for a second, uh, someone who wants to form a team to change the world. They say, let's get a group of people together, and let's change the world. Let's deal with injustice in the world. Let's, let's change politics. Let's change how churches in the world interact, interacting. let's change the, the concern about food insecurity. Let's change the world. Right, so the question I want to think about for a minute is what kinds of people should this group look for? We're going to go out and find the people to put together a team to change the world. And maybe it'd be somebody like this um, or, or this. Uh, somebody who, <laughs> yay, okay, so we find the best, right? Um, so if you wanted to change the world through soccer, this is probably a good place to start. Um, what would you say for other things... Of how you want to change the world, what would you look for? And I'd love your thoughts out loud when we're um, connected again. We have a little bit of a Zoom problem right now, and we're getting there. Um, what are some ideas of what you would look for if you wanted to put together a team of people to change the world? Shout it out. What would you look for? Yeah. Someone who doesn't think they're worthy to be on the team. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't think they're worthy to be there. Good. Roger. Yeah. What you are going to say, good. Good. You've been taught well. Excellent. Somebody who's passionate. Good. Yeah. yeah. People who are not afraid of change. Not afraid of change. Good. Good. What else would you look for? Good communicators. Good communicators. Yeah. Somebody who studied the problem. Ah, uh, Somebody who studied this problem. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Somebody who cares more about others than themselves. Cares more about others than themselves. Yeah. Good. Someone who knows that they don't know anything. <laughs> Somebody who knows that they don't know anything. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Yeah. With good resources. Somebody with good resources. Yes. Yeah. In lots of different ways, we can have resources. Yeah. It's good. Anyone else? What I want to think about for a minute, what kinds of people is God looking for in His plan to change the world? And I expect that in each one of us, there are different reactions to that thought. That for some of us, the first thought, it has nothing to do with me. Clearly, he wouldn't have any interest in me. And some of us think, well, maybe there are some ways that he could use me. Let's ask him to speak, to teach, to, to communicate with each of us and the things that, that we need to hear from him. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can gather together in this place and online. We do ask for your mercy with the technology when it makes it hard, yet we are thankful that you are present with each one of us. We ask that you would speak, that you would teach us, that you would, more than giving us information, that you would do your work in our hearts. What we each need is, is something that only you understand. So we ask that you would do what we need. What we need you for you to do, the nourishment we need in you, the hope that we need in you, the humility that we need. So we ask for that work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the title today is Surrendering Trust, and we're in Luke 1. We'll talk more about this drawing uh, in a few minutes, uh, but I encourage you to have that in front of you. We've been walking in this time of Advent, of preparing for our celebration on Friday night and then this year on Sunday morning of the birth of the Son of God as a human being in Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the story of Mary, when the angel reported to her what was going to happen, and uh, as Benny read for us earlier. Uh, and so we're going to just take some time looking at that. Um just want to set the scene, but yeah, I think there are, there are handouts if those are helpful to you. There are... Um, a uh, link there, and, and I encourage you to have the text. But let me just say a couple words. Just before this, in Luke, uh, Luke has been telling us about Jesus' birth, and uh, he sent the great angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel was not just an average angel, he was a really important one. And he sent him to Zechariah, to his, who was the priest. Zechariah is in the temple, in the holy place. And Gabriel comes and tells Zechariah, Your elderly wife, Elizabeth, she's going to have a son. And he's going to be like the great prophet Elijah. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to make ready a people for God. So this great event happening in the temple in the Holy of Holies, in this, this, this most amazing spot, or at least in the holy place, and it's the most amazing spot. The angel gives us great news, and Zechariah says, I don't think that can actually happen. And Zechariah doesn't to believe And yet the good news is, it happened anyway. God said, well, we're still going ahead with the plan. But you're going to bear some shame. That everybody's going to know you didn't believe, because you won't be able to tell them about it. And so the angel came to this holy place, to this powerful person, to announce what was coming. And so now we come to verse 26. And Luke often does this. He pairs a story about a man and his role with a woman and her role. And it's quite clear who comes out in the place of honor in this story. So let's read this from Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Why don't you stop there for a second? I think Luke intends us to make this comparison that we had Zechariah, the most likely to be used by God. God says, who will I use? Well, I'll use a priest in the holy place. And yet God then chooses to use Mary, the unlikely one, to be used by God. Zechariah in that society, the elderly male priest, of course he will be used by God. He was righteous and devoted to God. And he was in the temple of God. And Mary, a poor, young, unmarried girl in that culture of no significance. She lived in an insignificant town in a region that was considered not to be holy. It was the Galilee of the nations where everybody else is, not where the holy people are. God has come to this one who is unlikely to be used to give her the greater role, the greater task. And so verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are a highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I just want to highlight for a second. Greetings, you were highly favored. (laughs) And She said, have you come to the right place? (laughs) Because that's not how I see myself. And yet, God says, through the angel, you are highly favored and saying, the Lord is with you. This dramatic statement of God Almighty is with you. I just want to dig into this highly favored for a second. Literally, it means you've been graced. You've been chosen to receive a great gift. And this gift will come to you through God's presence with you. So I want to say clearly, I'm convinced this is not, the greeting of the angel is not to say, hey Mary, you've really impressed God with your abilities and your goodness and and your power. Boy, yeah, he's he's been looking around and finally somebody who's up to the task. He says to her, God has chosen to give you a gift. And it's going to come through his presence. Mary doesn't understand how this is going to work out. So she says, how will this be? But the angel said to her, or she, I'm sorry, she doesn't say yet, how will this be? She is wondering. She's troubled. And so then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel comes and says, don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Again, expressing this idea, God has chosen to grace you with a gift. He says, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus, which means Savior. He's going to be great. He's going to be known as the Son of the Most High, this most dramatic statement. And, and the reality is this child is going to be so different from Mary. She's of no significance. And yet this child will be the Son of God, who is great beyond comparison, whose greatness will not be understandable, who is the Savior of all who will trust in him. He will reign as king forever. He'll reign on David's throne and and over all God's people. The angel says to Mary, society looks at you and says, you don't matter. And yet I've chosen you, I've given you a gift to say, you will be the one who raises, who, who causes to grow, to understand the world, to learn how to interact and to learn language. You will be the one who does that for the one who is the king who will reign forever over all God's people. And so this is where Mary says, verse 34, How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive as in her sixth month. For no word from God Will ever form. Mary says, I don't know how this is going to happen. I can't get pregnant. How will this happen? And the angel says, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then he says it again, the power of the Most High will come on you. This is not something you can do, yet it will be God at work in you. The Holy Spirit will do this. And this word overshadow uh, is the same word that's used in the description of the transfiguration. When Peter, James, and John are there, and Jesus is transfigured, and this cloud overshadows them. The presence of God surrounds them, and they recognize the truth of what's happening. God is present, and also the idea of the Holy Spirit at work in creation. The Holy Spirit is going to be around you, Through you, in you, you're going to be in the presence of the power of God. And that's what will make this happen. And and kindly, he says, here's an example of how God is doing something impressive. And yet yours is bigger. It was conceivable that Elizabeth would get pregnant. But it's impossible for Mary to get pregnant except for the presence of God. And he says, no word from God will ever fail no purpose of God, no promise of God will ever fail. The angel says that, that God's power has no limit. God's promises cannot fail. And this will happen by the Holy Spirit. It will be the Holy Spirit in you, around you, through you, doing this work. It's God's work that he's invited you into. And this wonderful response of Mary at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant and an May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In words, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Okay, let's do this then. <laughs> it's an amazing humility and an amazing boldness that says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. If he says it, we'll do it. So let your purpose be fulfilled in me. I just want to highlight for a second the extreme contrast between God's purpose and the one he chose to do it through. Right? God's purpose. God is doing this greatest work. He's rescuing creation from evil. He's he's making up for the the error that happened in the Garden of Eden that that infected all of creation. And God says, I'm in the, the process of rescuing all creation from evil, of solving this problem of sin and death that has brought death to every human being. And he's doing it by the Son of God in human form. The Son of God, right? God himself in human form. And this is the work that God is doing. And he chose to work through a poor, young, unmarried girl in an insignificant time in a region that is not full. And yet, she was one who was willing to be God's servant by God's power. It wasn't that she was impressive. It was what the, it, that she was willing to be God's servant by God's power. When I think about uh, Luke writing for a group of Christians, saying, what do I want to tell people? What do I want them to know? And then thinking, what does God want the church to know? And, and I believe God wants to know that God is restoring all creation of Jesus Christ. He is bringing this one who will be Savior, who will be on the throne, who will be King forever. And he's doing this. You're somebody like Mary. And I'm convinced the message that, that the Bible communicates over and over is that God is doing this using each and every person who trusts and follows him by the Holy Spirit's power. Mary had a profound role. And yet God is at work doing this work in the world through everyone who will trust and follow him by the Holy Spirit's power. So, uh, have uh, a drawing of a construction project. So I want you to imagine a giant construction project, use it as a metaphor for the great things we want to do in the world, the problems we want to solve, the things we want to fix. And we look at this and think, wow, that's a good thing. But when we show up at the construction project, we might think there is no way that I can do this, right? In some sense, sometimes we think, well, now I've got to do it and I can't solve it. I can't do this. And yet a different image is not somebody who shows up with the ability to do it, but somebody who shows up, who's invited to do your part, designed for you. It's a different picture, where now there's a bunch of different workers, and all the different workers have their different parts. Something like that, where I think if we step back and say, God is at work doing a construction project that is bigger than we can imagine. God is restoring all creation to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. All creation creation itself is groaning under the weight of sin and the curse of sin that is death and decay. And God's at work doing that. And sometimes, we look at the task and we think, ah, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. God, have you seen the world lately? Have you seen what's there and even more? Who is able to be a part of this work? I realize We can hardly improve ourselves. (laughs) I'd like to think my own life is getting better day by day. And it lasts for a day or two. We're getting ready for New Year's resolutions, right? This year, I'm going to do things differently. And we struggle to make improvements in our personal lives. What makes us think we can have any role in restoring all creation in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? it's clear we can't. And yet this statement from 2 Corinthians, such confidence we have through God, through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. Our confidence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, the Spirit gives life. The confidence that we have is not in ourselves. And Mary didn't say, okay, I think I can do this. If I do the right thing, I can make this happen. She says, no. How is this going to be? The answer is by the Holy Spirit. Right? Because it is the Spirit who gives life. And so then Paul expresses, this is his design for his people. In Ephesians 4, he says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, as each part does its work. Next, I want to highlight for a second. This is what God is doing. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And I think, okay, that's not what I see. And in fact, it's hard to say that the church is more unified than it was a decade ago, a generation ago. But he says, this is what God is doing to build, to, that the body might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And then a statement, attaining, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what he's doing. And how does he do it? He says to each one of us. Each one. God is at work through each one of his children. And what has happened is for each one of us, grace has been given. In other words, God comes to us and says, greetings, O you who have been graced by God. Like the greeting to Mary, he comes and he says, I am giving grace to you. You have found favor, not because I finally found a good enough person, but because of my kindness, God says, I've chosen to give you grace. And Paul tells us he gives different grace to different people. You see, nobody else in all of history has been asked to be the mother of the Son of God. For some reason, God says, here's how I'm going to do it with Mary and Joseph. He's going to be, in the legal sense, that. And he's going to be a part of raising this one. And then he chose some to be apostles and prophets. He's chosen people to play all these different roles as he has chosen. And he's chosen us for works service. And so how's this going to work? How's this journey going to happen? He says, as each part does its work. So we go back to the picture. God is restoring all creation in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He's doing it through each person. Through each person who is in Christ, to each person who is in Christ who is gifted by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, as Christ directs. Uh, Years ago, uh, I was a TA for a computer programming class, and uh, it's a, it a beginner programming course, and so these students are, you know, learning to the program, they've never done it before. So what do you do to teach people programming? Well, one of the common things you do is you teach the students to tell the computer how to count, one, two, three, four, five, and the students say, wow, that's so cool. No, they don't. They say, okay, when can I do something interesting, <laughs> right? So this professor that I was a TA for, I just love what he did. He wrote a really cool program. It would do all sorts of neat things. And the students didn't have a chance to program any of this. He wrote this great program. And then he deleted a few lines from it. And said to the students, can you fill in those lines? Could you do your part? Can you do it? And when the students did it right, all of a sudden this thing works wonderfully. And they feel like I was a part of something real. And I realized this is what God does. God doesn't need us to do his work. He's got a plan. He's got it all worked out. It's all there. And he deletes a few pieces. And he comes to you and to me and says, would you fill in that piece? Would you do that part? I didn't know what I'm doing. I don't need you to do it. I want you to have the privilege to be a part of it. And so God came to Mary and said, would you be willing to play this role? I'm giving you all you need to do it. I just want you to be willing to do it and to trust me. And as as the letter to the the church in Ephesus said, God does this for every one of his children. For everyone who's in Christ, he comes and he says, I've got this great plan and it's all worked out. And I've deleted a few parts on it. I put your name on it. Would you be willing to do that part? Because God says, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to have the joy of being a part of this journey. And I invite you into that. See, God is restoring all creation. In Jesus Christ, all creation, all that's broken and wrong, He's fixing it, using each and every person who trusts and follows Him, and He does it by the Holy Spirit's power. The application today is this one short phrase: "Be a servant of the Lord." Just what Mary said: "I'm the Lord's servant. May Your will be done. May Your purpose be accomplished on Your servant." And I think it comes in two parts. First of all, is humility. Mary says, as a servant of the Lord, I'll do whatever God says. If he says it, he's my Lord, I'll say okay. And there's a humility that says, I I follow his direction, I do what he says. And for us, the reality of that is, whether that's big or small. And one of the things that I've come to realize in life is that we are really bad at figuring out what's a big thing or a small thing in God's eyes, right? There are things that we're just so impressed with. And Jesus went to the temple and they were all so impressed with the the big stones and the the high ceiling, the wonderful things, the expense, and the people who were putting in so much money. And Jesus said, you know what? The really cool thing is that's happening here today. This widow is putting in two tiny coins. That's the big stuff. That's what's going on. And so humility says... I don't know, it kind of looks like a small thing you're asking me to do. But that's okay, because you've asked me to do it, so now it is a big thing, big or small. Humility says, I'm the Lord's servant, so I will do it. Humility says, whether or not what I do is praised or judged or ignored. And sometimes, people who did what God commanded, people looked at it and said, wow, is that good? Oh, God's really worked through that person. Praise God for what you're doing and sometimes people did what God asked them to do and they were judged. They were attacked. They're, they're, they're put in prison. They're, they're physically attacked. And sometimes people are doing what God asks them to do and people don't even notice it. They don't even know it's there. Humility says, that's okay. Humility says, I, I will do whatever God says, big or small, because I don't really know which is which. Whether or not people praise it, judge it, or ignore it. And humility says whether it's in pleasure or pain, says, oh, that's a hard journey. But humility says, I followed that. So I'm convinced that Mary demonstrated this beautiful humility. As she said earlier, find somebody who doesn't think they're the solution, who knows they're not. And Mary knew that she wasn't the solution. In humility, she said, I'm the Lord's servant, and the Holy Spirit will do what's needed. At the same time, there is quite a boldness in Mary. Mary, would you raise the Son of God? Okay. <laughs> really? You're going to be the one responsible for bringing up this child? In, in, in teaching this child about God and the world? About what it's like to be a human being? You're going to be the one? And she says, okay. There's a boldness in her that says, you know what, there are going to be people who attack me because of this, but if God says to do it, okay, there's a boldness. So without fear or hesitation, Zechariah said, I don't think so. Mary was bold in saying, okay, if you say it, we'll do this. It's expecting the work of God. There's a boldness in saying, I'll be the Lord's servant and follow this path, that says, I expect him to work. And I expect the power of God to be present. There's a boldness in saying, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant, even when there are difficulties. So I expressed this idea, um, it was last week that I encountered, so helpful to me, this idea of surrendering and trust. And the surrendering says, I'm the Lord's servant. If this is the path you have for me, okay. And the boldness is to Trust. That this is not just a surrender that says, okay, I'll be a nothing if that's what he asks me to be. It's the bold trust that says, this is the work of God. And all of this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm convinced the surrendering, the humility, this is a work of God. I'm thankful to get to the point in my life where I see the humility as attractive. (laughs) It took a long time to get there. Now what's it take to be humble? Well, this takes a work of the Holy Spirit. There's so much in me that says, no, 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 don't let people talk about you that way. Don't let people treat you that way. So much that says, don't be humble. But thanks be to God, I can see there's beauty in humility. It's by the Holy Spirit that somebody says, I want to be humble. And that can genuinely then in assessment say, God has done a work of humility. And yet it is also by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be bold to say, God is at work. To expect him to work through nobody, through somebody who has no significance, who has nothing to, to, to claim the power, it's by the Holy Spirit. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your purpose be accomplished in humility and in boldness. And I love this expression, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You might recall some of my favorite words are, but God. But God. But in fact, God has done something. And here's what God has done. He's placed the parts of the body. Every one of them. And sometimes some of us think, I am completely irrelevant to God's work in the world. I have no place. I don't have the ability. I don't have the, the, the knowledge, the gifts, the stamina. I, I just don't have what it takes. But in fact, but God... He has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God says, I've got a plan. And I've crossed out parts of it because I want you to do it. And he's put our name next to it. See, God is restoring all creation using each and every person who trusts and follows him by the power of his Holy Spirit. So in Christmas, we celebrate that God called Mary to be used by God to do his work. To change the world through Jesus Christ when she humbly and boldly trusted him. So now I want to put us there. God's purpose is still to change the world, but God calls everyone in Christ to be used by God to do his work. Everyone, he calls us to be a part of his work to change the world through Jesus Christ, as we humbly and boldly trust him. So I'm convinced that that we are, along with Mary, to say I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done. To say with our heads and say, yes, I recognize I don't have anything to offer to God, and yet he invites me to be a part of this. To say with our heart, with a conviction that says, this is an amazing thing. God chooses to use us, but not just us. God chooses to use me. So I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done. And with our hands, we step into it and we say, okay, God, what you have called me to do, doesn't look like it's doing much for your restoration of all creation, but it's a part you put my name on, and so I will do it. So we say, I'll do as you ask. I'll follow as you lead. I'll trust you for whatever happens around me and to me. And we'll do that as your Holy Spirit overshadows. The presence of God surrounds us, covers us with the work of God to do what he asks us to do. So I invite us to to use this phrase, I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done at the start of each day. Get up in the morning and say, I am the Lord's servant, may your will be done. Whether the day looks exciting, you dread it, or it just looks like yet another day of more of the same work, we say, I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done. When the day gets challenging or difficult, and then at the end of the day, when we, we lie down to sleep, and our minds churn with the day and the things that are ahead, and, and we say, I am the Lord's servant, may your will be done. To do this in family relationships, to do this in church and ministry, to do this in our calling, our sense of what is my purpose in life, where am I going, to do this in our personal lives. Let me say this, if, if you happen to be someone who people often praise, you have a lot of the abilities that the world looks at and, and praises you for it. Don't worry. God can still use you. When we recognize none of those things matter to what God is looking for. He is looking for those who in humility will say, I am the Lord's servant. Your will be done. So I invite us today to, to just take a moment to pray. To say, I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done as your Holy Spirit overshadows me. And I just want to give a a moment for us each to pray this. And it could be that this is an important day to write down in your, your Bible or your notes or somewhere to say, you know what? I need to just bow before our God and say, I'm your servant. I wrestle with the path of my life, I wrestle with what you're doing. I struggle with where I am. And yet, I am the Lord's servant. May your will be done. And I will trust your Holy Spirit will overshadow and empower me. Let's pray. Father, we give praise to you. We thank you that you were at work in a profound way at the day we celebrate as Christmas. You started this profound work in a new way with your son becoming a human being. And you chose to do it through somebody the world completely ignores. And yet she was willing to be your servant in humility and boldness to trust you, and you worked. So, Father, for us today, we ask that you would help each one of us to say, I'm the Lord's servant, may your will be done. We just invite a a moment of silence as you express that prayer to God in whichever part of life is a place that the Spirit is prompting you spirit we thank you that you are at work with your power your presence jesus we thank you for your interceding work that continues even now in this day and tomorrow morning and next week father we thank you for the work that you are doing that is beyond our comprehension you call us into it father i pray for each one of us that we would be your servants in humility and in boldness. I pray that you would humble us. And I pray that you would give us the humble boldness to believe that you will use us, not because of us, but because of the presence of your Spirit. And we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in our lives and in our world. And we say, Jesus, come. Bring... The complete expression of your kingdom with every part of your creation that you would be praised forevermore. Amen.